this morning we do celebrate fathers, and I want to talk to all um, the fathers in the house. And uh, I want to be real with you for a moment, if I may. Um, there are certain days in my life or situations in my life, instances in my life that I will never, ever forget. Um, you know, the day that I gave at the age of 12 when I gave my heart to Jesus in a Sunday school, that's, that's a moment that I will cherish forever. I remember the day in which I was at the altar um, on a mission trip at the age of 14 when, when God called me in, into ministry to be a missionary at, at that altar in, on an Indian reservation in New Mexico. It was a day that I'll cherish and hold on to. But there are some other days that, fathers, you might um, maybe, you know, can relate to a little more. I remember the day that I proposed to to my girlfriend, now, you know, then fiancé and now wife. I remember where we were and my stuttering over my words and nervousness that I had. I remember, you know, that wedding day waiting for her as she walked down um, the aisle. Um, for those of you that are football fans, I remember when my New York Giants ended the Patriots' hope of a perfect season in that Super Bowl a few years ago. How many Giants fans in the house? Um, if there's any Patriots fans, I'm sorry, but I'm not. I live with one. And so, um, but I remember that night, you know. I, I also remember just recently we, we have been stuck in quarantine in Texas um, during the 2020 and 21 before we were able to actually start traveling to our churches. And I remember finally the, the opportunity for me. I'm an avid bass fisherman, and to be able to catch a, a, a double-digit bass in Texas um, was a joy of mine. And so that day, December the 12th, um, 2020, was a day that um, I will always hold on to. But there are other, two other days that I'll remember. It was um, the day that our son was born. And then, um, of course, um, two and a half years later, the day that my daughter was born. But I remember my son specifically. We're, we're coming home from Krause Hospital. Uh, both of our kids were born at Krause. And, and I remember driving on 690 East. No word of lie. I don't think I hit 35 miles an hour going from, from Krause to East Syracuse. You know, I had this new bundle, this new package in the back seat. Now, mind you, you know, my wife had been riding with me for nine months, you know, driving like a maniac with being pregnant. But now he had arrived and he was in that car seat. And I was so nervous driving down 690 and getting off at Bridge Street and going home. And it was a joy that I'll never forget as our children um, came home for us that that very first time, our son and then our daughter. I remember those memories. And I also remember this. A couple days after our children uh, each came home, I'm like, man, I wish um, these things came with instructions. <laughs> Fathers in the house, how many of you guys can agree with me? Now, guys, let's be honest. Even if they came with instructions, we wouldn't have read them. So we've had to learn the hard way. And um, this morning, the title of my message is Father Knows Best. Father Knows Best. And my daughter just snickered because when I talk about Father Knows Best, I'm not talking about me. Believe me in saying that I am by far no stretch of the imagination uh, the father who knows best, uh, the father that is perfect. In fact, my son... Uh, was four years old, almost five. And there are some stories that, you know, I've held on to and I haven't shared with many people. 
And I figured today would be the day to be really honest with you. And I'm looking um, for, I don't know, is Joel Durst here? Where is he? Uh-huh. Okay. Joel is going to attest this story. My son was four, almost five, and we invited Joel and his son Ben to our house to have a cookout. Now, if I'm lying, Joel, you have every right to stand up and scream, okay? So, so we invite them over. My son had just gotten for his fifth birthday a couple weeks early um, a little battery-operated four-wheel little ATV, battery-operated thing that you drive around your backyard, you know what I mean? And so uh, Jacob was on there on the front seat, and, and Ben was on the back seat, and they were driving around our yard. Meanwhile, I was slow and low cooking chicken over the barbecue, you know, speedy sauce, chicken, you know, and it, it was smelling good. It was almost, you know, time to eat. And, and so Jacob, he, he turned to Ben, and now I'm cooking, so this story has been related to me by Joel and by Bridget, but, but um, I'm cooking this chicken. But Jacob says, um, you know, Ben, do you want to drive the four-wheeler? And he says, yeah. And so Jacob gets off the four-wheeler, and, and Ben kind of slides to the front seat. And so Jacob is, is getting on the four-wheeler so that they can drive around. Well, while Jacob was getting on, Ben accidentally hit the accelerator button on the four-wheeler, and my son kind of fell off the back of it. Right, Joel? And so as he fell, um, he reached out to, grab, uh, to stop himself, and... and um, uh, from what I've been told, um, Joel and Bridget ran up there, and his arm was not, like, straight. It kind of had a smiley face to it. And so um, they decided and thought that it was broken. And so I'm there cooking. The chicken is now done. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm like, let's put some ice on it. And, and then, you know, let's eat. And, and then afterwards we can see, um, you know, how he's doing. Now, those that's the memory that I had. So um, now... What Joel and my wife says is that I said, it's, it won't get any more broke. <laughs> Let's eat, <laughs> is what I said. Now, I don't remember saying that. I'm in denial. But in any case, we sat down at the table to have some good speedy sauce, barbecue, you know, chicken and, and everything. And, and none of them had an appetite. I'm like digging in, you know. And, and meanwhile, my son, is, my son is on the couch, you know, with ice pack on, you know, um, just sitting there. Um, meanwhile, my wife had called her brother to come over and watch Amber. Um, she was still... Um, a baby, she was two, and so um, uh, my my brother-in-law bursts into the house and says, "I thought he broke his arm because we're all sitting at the table and I'm eating, but we're all sitting there." And and she's like, "He did." So anyhow, is that right, Joel? Yeah. Okay. Good. So um. So then we go to the hospital. We go to the hospital and we enter the the emergency room, and so the nurse is there taking all the vitals, and and so she looks at Bridget and she says, "Well, you know how much." pain medicine have you given him? How much Tylenol, you know, baby Tylenol or whatever? And, um, and she said, none. And so then the nurse and my wife both look at me and the nurse says, um, and whose bright idea was that? <laughs> See, you know, growing up playing sports, I was always told, you know, as a college and high schooler that if you 
you know, hurt yourself, you want to be able to give the doctor a pain rating of 0 to 10. And so I'm thinking we need, you know, he needs to know how bad it is. So, um, yeah, we didn't give any Tylenol. And so the nurse is like, yeah, okay. So anyhow, now to my credit, that is true. She, the nurse did say, well, yeah, for an, uh, for an adult, you would do that. But anyhow, I am not a perfect father. So that's a story I've been holding on to to share um, on this Father's Day so that Joel can attest to my silliness and my less than perfectness of a father. We've all made our mistakes, um, and I wish that they had come with instructions, and I would be here all day sharing them, but I want to celebrate a father who does know best. I want to celebrate with you a father that makes no mistakes, have, has made no mistakes, and will make no mistakes, our Heavenly Father, God the Father Almighty. And as we celebrate him this morning and honor our fathers in this place, this message not, is not only for dads um, and men in this house, but I pray that each and every one of you can take away something when we talk about our perfect Father, our perfect Heavenly Father. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 40, verse number 11. Psalm 40, verse 11. David is crying out and, and penning these words to, to God the Father in, in a prayer. And, and these words that he's crying out go like this. It says, do not withhold your mercy from me. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. He's crying out, Father, Lord, do not withhold your mercy from me. May your love and faithfulness always protect protect me. This morning I want to share just four quick um, points from these from this message, four words that I want to pull out um, from here and to touch on this morning. And the first one is mercy, the mercy of God. Mercy by definition is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or to harm. Mercy is showing compassion to someone else, although you may possess the ability or the right to harm them or to punish them. How many are thankful that we have a God that's merciful? The Word of God says His mercies are new every morning. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 31 says, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. And so David here is crying out and saying, God, thank you for your mercies. Do not withhold your mercies upon me. Be merciful to me, my Father, even in my shortcomings, even if I may, may stumble, even if I may fall. Be merciful, even though you have every right to punish or to harm me. That's true as well. Just as God is merciful, you have to understand that um, in Proverbs chapter 3 that the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. Our God is merciful. His mercies are new every morning, and we love hearing that. We, we love hearing the love and compassion and forgiveness of God, but, but know that God is also just, and God is also disciplines those um, that call him their, his father. Because he loves you, he disciplines us. Now, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I did not like receiving discipline. And I received plenty of it. 
when I was in elementary school, um, now I grew up in Texas at age of five. We moved um, to Texas from age five to 15. I lived there. And, and there during that time in the late 80s, um, in Texas, they still gave you what they called lickens. That meant you went to the principal, the principal opened his cupboard, and there was a selection of paddles in which you could choose from to receive your discipline on your rear end. Lickens, spankings, whatever you want to call them. You could choose the thick paddle, the thin paddle, the paddle with holes in it. Now, add insult to injury. Not only was my, uh, the principal, you know, I visited his, often, uh, his office often um, and to receive my discipline, but on top of that, my principal was also my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> I got it coming and going, you know. I got spanked on Friday and preached to on Sunday, you know what I mean? So um, when I received my, and I didn't enjoy that, you know, I didn't enjoy the discipline, although I deserved it, but I did not enjoy that. I remember my son um, living, we lived in East Syracuse, and and we had a basketball league in the summers on Mondays. And, and my son did something, and we, we told him, Jacob, if you don't straighten up, um, we're going to have to ground you. You won't be able to go with Dad to, to shoot the rock to the basketball league. And, and sure enough, he kept going, and, and we had to ground him. And I remember loading his own wagon, loading his wagon with the basketballs and the water cooler, and I'm pulling it down the driveway and across the, the, the sidewalk, and he's standing on the porch crying, Daddy, I promise I won't do it again. Fathers, you know it, it breaks your heart sometimes, but you have to remain faithful to the discipline, and I had to walk up and say, you know, sorry, son, you chose this, and it's hard. It's not fun, discipline, to be on the receiving end or the, the giving end. And we cry out and we like and we pray for mercy in, in the midst of discipline. I mean, you're thankful that God, although he disciplines us, he knows what's right. He knows what we need. I remember a more quick story. My, my father was a mechanic and he received a... a an oil can with a slit on the top. It was a bank, and there was no bottom plug. And so he would put dimes in there throughout the year, and at the end of the year, they would cut it open, and that would be some money that they would use for Christmas gifts. Sitting next to the dime bank was also a candy dish with pennies. And one day, we were driving to church on a Wednesday night, and I was pestering my sister, and my sister blurted out that, well, Dad, Terry's stealing dimes out of the dime bank and replacing them with pennies because she saw me do it. And and my dad said, is that true? And I said, I plead the fifth. And so we got home, and my dad said, my dad said, for every penny that's in here, you're going to get a spanking. How many of you are thankful for the mercy that your father has shown you one time or another? I think I got like 15 or 20, and then he had mercy upon me because there were more pennies in that dime bank than there were dimes. But, but the mercy that we've been shown, although we deserve punishment, although we deserve, in fact, the Bible tells us that um, we deserve, you know, death in our, because of our sins, but God has shown us and lavished upon us his love and mercy. So mercy of God. The second word that I want to point out, it says, um, may your love and faithfulness always protect me. 
I want to talk quickly about the protection of God. Father, fathers, that's, that's a role that we have in, in our household is to, is to protect our, our children, to protect those that are under our care so that everyone can feel safe, that, that protection. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been accused of being overprotective. My biggest accuser just chuckled. My biggest accuser, you know, she didn't understand, you know, living in Panama, she's the only um, blonde hair, blue-eyed girl in the city in which we lived. And no, honey, you're not going to be walking, you know, home from the gym at, at night, at dark. You know, that's not smart. That's not safe. And I was accused of, of being overprotective. When our kids were little, my son, you know, um, was home, just got home from the hospital, and we brought him to church. We would leave him strapped into the baby carrier so that, you know, people in the church wouldn't pass him along from one to another. You know, that, that protection. I remember when his pacifier would fall out of his mouth, my, my wife would put it in her purse, take it home, and, you know, um, sterilize it with boiling water, you know. By the time Amber came along, we would stick it in our mouth, clean it off, and stick it in hers, you know. So <laughs> protection. My daughter started talking about boys, and I remember the pastor that we worked with, he told me one time, Terry, I'm not afraid to go to jail if anyone hurts my daughter. My, my daughter came and started talking about boys, and I shared the same thing with her. I said, honey, if any boy messes or hurts you, I ain't afraid to go to jail. Now, I'm not saying fathers to, you know, in, um, incite harm and violence, but, but God is our protector. He cares for you so much. He wants to protect you. And how does he protect us? By his love and by his faithfulness. By his love. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 is, is a scripture that probably many of you know very well. And I want to focus on verse number 8. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Check this out. God just does not contain love. God, his essence is love. The father that knows you best cannot be unloving. He is love. We contain, I love my, my daughter, I love my son, I love my wife. I contain love, but God's essence, his being is love. And scripture tells us that although we may were in our own rebellion, Romans chapter 5 says that he demonstrated, he showed his love to us that while we were still sinners, while we were not obedient, while we were stubborn teenagers, he loved us so much that he sent his son to this earth to die so that we may have an opportunity to spend eternity with him. Let me tell you, when I became a father, my love and my understanding for God grew immensely. I could not imagine sending my son or my daughter someplace knowing what the harm may come their way or it may entail death. But God did that. Why? Because he loves you so much. God is love. And today as we celebrate and possibly you have had um, not a perfect example of an earthly father demonstrating love to you. Let me tell you, you have a heavenly father that wants to lavish upon you his love. And it's not always through just um, good gifts and actions, but also the word. This word from, from Genesis to Revelation is a story of love for you. 
Open it and read it for yourself. He loves you so deeply and so intimately. God is love. And with that, he can protect. And Faithfulness of God. Lastly, we'll conclude with this. The love of God and the faithfulness of God coupled together for protection. Faithfulness of God. If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Church, let's be honest, many times when we're faced with, with hardships, when, when, when we have difficulties in our lives, how often do we question God? God, where are you? Father, why have you allowed me to, to go? Why have you abandoned me? Have you ever done that? Know that God is, is faithful. The message version puts it this way. So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, if you find life difficult as you're doing what God, as you're following his will, as you're doing what he's commanded you and asked you to do, if you find difficulties in your life, check this out. The Bible never promises you an easy life. What the Bible promises you is that he'll never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. And so scripture tells us here through the message version, so if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride, trust him. He knows what he's doing, and he'll keep on doing it. Listen to me, as, as a father, you know, you don't like to see your, your kids hurting. You don't like to see them dealing with, with the stuff of life, the messiness of life. You can be sure that God doesn't. It pains him just as much to see his children struggling. But know that no matter what the struggle, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what you may be facing today, know that God is faithful, that he has not abandoned you, but he's there with you in the middle of the storm. And it's his faithfulness coupled with his love that protects you. that protects you no matter what you may be going through today, rest assured that Father, your Heavenly Father knows best. He doesn't make any blunders that I've made over and over in my life, but He knows best for each and every one of His children what we need. He knows when we need it, and how we need it. Trust your Father, your Heavenly Father, as you follow Him in life. Know that He is fully faithful and trustworthy. As I close this morning, perhaps you have not had the best example of an earthly father. 
I want to challenge you. Number one, there is no perfect earthly father. But do not hinder that. Do not let that hinder you or keep you from a relationship with a perfect heavenly father. There is no comparison. Your heavenly father knows best. He is loving. He is merciful. Yes, he is just. But he's faithful and to protect you. So I want to encourage you today to pursue that relationship with your heavenly father. And then secondly, coupled with that is we're called to, you know, to imitate. We, I remember when my, when my son was little, um, he got a, a hammer and a screwdriver, a little toolbox kit, you know, and I would be around fixing something w uh, around the house, you know, with my hammer, and he'd be there beside me hammering away, you know, trying to imitate what dad was doing. May I challenge you to be imitators of your father. Showing love. Showing mercy. Men being faithful in your home. To your wife. To your children. To those that God has entrusted you with. May I challenge and encourage you to imitate God. We're going to pray and then Pastor Jeff is going to come to conclude the service. But let us celebrate a God who loves us perfectly who is faithful and trustworthy. Father, I thank you for this day that we're able to celebrate the men that you've put in our place. But Father, we celebrate you, O oh God, for what you've done for each of our lives. Father, will you help those today that are here that maybe need to trust you more, trust you with their life in spite of what they might be going through, to be able to learn to rely upon your love, your steadfastness, your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your faithful and true. And, Lord, I just pray for each person here that you will help us, Lord, to, to imitate, to show that to those that are around us. Help us to be more loving, more gracious, more forgiving, more faithful to those that you've entrusted us with here on this earth. We bless you and we thank you and we honor you as our Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. Amen.